Welcome back to the Commerce Collective podcast brought to you by Flywheel. My name is Emma Irwin, Senior Editor and Specialist at Flywheel and your host of the Commerce Collective podcast. Today's episode is a fun one. We have a recurring friend of the show here to update us on some current themes we're seeing happening within the East-West China marketplaces to American marketplaces dynamic. We're going to compare Amazon's marketing cloud or marketing clouds in general to how Alibaba shares this kind of data or doesn't. And then we're also going to talk about the Timu and Xi'ans of the Chinese manufacturing world sailing their way into the U.S. market. Okay, let's have our guest introduce herself. Hello, everyone. This is Amber, and I am now the SVP of uh, Flywheel in Strategic Partnership, as well as Global Account Developments in APEC region. And I'm so happy about the new uh, United brand of Flywheel. And, and I used to run the brand Dojun in China under the Essential Group in Digital Commerce Unit. Now, I think I'm, I will embrace the bigger markets in the whole APEC region. And I'll have you know that Amber and I recorded in real life for this episode, and not only that, but it was her first time in the U.S. ever. Amazing. What is the last thing you purchased online? Uh, Recently. Recently. I think before I leave home, (laughs) I buy uh, milk for kids on Sam's Club again. (laughs) We're back to Sam's Club. It's incredible. I do have to ask, the last time we talked, you were just about to go out and be on maternity leave. And I asked you what you wanted on your digital wish list. And you said a nice bottle of Centauri. So did you get it after you had (laughs) your kid and actually got to drink? Yes, a college uh, semi one. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. It's a lovely gift, but it's still untouched yet. See, I think I would have had a kid and then been like, the Centauri, please. (laughs) I've made it nine months. As I mentioned before, we're going to start out talking about AMC and then how Alibaba compares and contrasts in the concept of an accessible data-filled cloud, which was inspired by many of the announcements that we saw at Unboxed back in October 2023. I had hinted to Amber that we sort of talked about this concept back in our data infrastructure episode of our APEC masterclass with Tony Wren, but actually that was different. It's quite interesting because uh, maybe from Tony's perspective, it was more about the platform-related data on the price as well as on the sales market share, things like that. As I used to work with uh, the marketplaces using their data tool to help clients to do all the, the analysis online, it's a different perspective, I think. For comparing to AMC, we know that AMC is a product of uh, Amazon ads. And uh, if we do the comparison, Amazon as equals to Alimama in Alibaba company, as well as equals to Ocean Engine in ByteDance. So they are the advertising unit or the monetization center for those biggest marketplaces in China. So in that sense, AMC is the tool of the advertising units. So to us, AMC focus a lot on the past to purchase, as we always say in the U.S., so they would like to give you accessibility to see how consumers are going from upper funnel to lower funnel and how is their behavior being affected by retail media, by advertising, no matter it's the DSP, the sponsor ads or others. So that's the thing AMC focus a lot. In China, actually, uh, of course, Alimama has similar tool too, but it wasn't like an open accessibility to all partners as well as brands. Uh, They have this kind of, for example, they will help brands to analyze the attribution of different media metrics, but it wasn't a mature tool yet. 
and it was uh, more or less set up by cases. So it was quite manually. And on the other hand, Alibaba, we all know that they feature a lot and lots of data tools for brands to use. So all different tools, they are not produced by Alibaba, but by the, we used to, to say there's a central platform of Alibaba data stack. So in this division, they produce products like Data Bank, and which is the new name is Data Engine. They are helping brands to analyze more on consumer size. They will show with you the consumer persona. Of course, it was not on personal level, but on the aggregated level data. As well as they will show you about the consumers in, in the category as well as in the markets. So that's the difference. On the other hand, they will give you a lot of uh, information on consumers' behavior related to products. For example, what's their search keywords for a specific group of people and uh, what's their keywords before they search as well as post by, what's the keywords on the comments of the products, things like that. So to the sense uh, for Alibaba, they mentioned themselves as the biggest marketplaces as well as the battlefield for brand building. Uh, for different brands. So in that sense, they don't want just encourage brand to spend more the media channel, but also to invest more of their brand assets into this marketplace to build, to co-build the brand's biggest online touch points with consumer together with Alibaba Group. So I think that's the difference of the vision of their data tool comparing to Amazon's AMC. Interesting. If I'm a brand, a global brand, so I sell across Alibaba and all of the subsidiaries and Amazon, let's say I'm really cool and somehow I've become the global director of e-commerce for a big brand. Would you say, because you have exposure to both Amazon and Alibaba, like in terms of getting back the data that means the most and like is the most useful for your brand, is one better than the other or it's just different? I think it's nothing about which one is better, but it's just different. I think it was kind of like the mindsets of Chinese people <laughs> and other countries' people. It's nothing good or bad, just different ways of thinking. The other thing is, of course, we can still do comparison on some layers of data performances. So I can say that we cannot do it. As I joined a lot of Amazon sharing those days, I think one of the principles they mentioned that I like the best is API first. So for partners to marketplaces like us, uh, Flywheel, we love uh, the marketplaces to share more on API. So we can use the API to do a lot of analytical works as well as we can uh, set up our own queries and do the algorithm, everything. So it was more like we are in the same battlefield and we can play our tricks to make things really works for brands. And for brands, they just they will, of course, discuss all the algorithm together with us, but they can also just accept the results as long as the performance is better. But in China, the difference is that uh, they Alibaba, they provide the data tool to analyze consumer. But the consumer behavior isn't uh, directly linked to their media outcome. So it's, it's kind of difficult for us to explain the analysis work as well as the final performance. So I have to say that to this sense, uh, very limited brands will prefer to invest more and more on uh, analysis work and more. 
And there's a risk actually to our business. And also, I think uh, it's a risk to brands' business too, because of course, they can, with the pressure of sales, sometimes they can be rather short sighted. So, to these results, they, they were like, okay, I know analysis will spend a lot of my money and it will take us a, l- a long period of time to work on that. But the results isn't, isn't so close to the ROI, to the total. To the final performance, so we wouldn't like to invest it anymore. We just would would rather spend the money on media, on retail media, and I can get the results, the ROI, and the total sales will go up. If I were the head of a global brand, of course, I would like to know more about different regions' performance, not just the results. I'd like to know uh, how and why that brings the results. But for a local team, actually, I think they have relatively limited resources. And uh, they face the pressure of sales every day. So this will lead to the change of their priority in this market, especially as we all see that the sales growth in China marketplaces wouldn't be easy seen in the future. Did you hear that buzzing sound? Like a fly is flying into an electric fly killer consistently in your ear? Well, let me tell you something. First, you're not crazy. And second, while I'll take a lot of the credit for consistently bringing this podcast to life, something I cannot take credit for is the sound. In this case, Amber and I recorded this episode sitting right next to each other, but it was only me manning the sound stuff. So we're recording and I definitely hear the electric death of the fly throughout this episode, but was too chicken to stop the discussion and try and fix it. Epic fail. And now everyone gets to suffer. So while we're here, be thankful for Enos, the Commerce Collective sound designer who did her absolute best to minimize the atrocious buzz and would have never actually let it happen in the first place. Correct! Back to our regularly scheduled program, we're actually going to now switch gears and head into the second part of this episode. We just covered differences in data sharing across Chinese marketplaces like Alibaba versus Amazon. And now we're going to switch over to a hot topic in the e-com sphere as of recently, which is Chinese manufacturers like Timu or Xi'an skipping over marketplaces like Amazon or Walmart and selling directly to American consumers. I'd asked Amber if she had downloaded any of these apps that are not available in China since she was now in the US, and this was her response. Since I'm already landed in the States, <laughs> I've already changed to an US Apple account now. Yes. <laughs> and I'm, I just downloaded Timu, Xi'an, and Amazon I think those are the three most important ones now. Of course, TikTok <laughs> all together right on my iPhone. <laughs> and I will look into it and try to see the differences because previously we used to read a lot about those apps on the news articles. And I haven't tried it yet, but I just opened both Timu and PDD yesterday. And I feel the familiar sense of PDD as yeah. they perform in China, but in a relatively decent way, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> but yes, the price really shocked me because they, as we live in China, uh, PDD's products are really low priced. And when they run the business in the US as Timu, I think the price is almost even as they are in China. Dang. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's crazy. Yes. So, But they are bringing things all the way. <laughs> across the Pacific Ocean. How's that happen? Which is just not expensive at all. I would say like the thing, Timu and Xi'an are significantly less expensive than like Gap or any of our major American retail, like a lot less expensive. Okay. So 
Hmm, that's interesting. But as you mentioned, the brands. When it comes to China, actually, in the last few years, of course, PDD, which is the parent company of Timu, is growing really very fast in China. It was kind of、uh, choking Alibaba, we have to say. And of course, Alibaba in those days will see、uh, Douyin, which is the parallel of TikTok in China, as their biggest、uh, challenge challenge in the markets. But PDD is the previous one, and I think they have won over. 100 million users from Alibaba itself. Crazy. Yes, that's crazy. And PDD is really going deep into China markets. When we say deep, it was like we say those lower tier cities and rural area regions in China. Those people they really love to use PDD with all those low price products. But as we mentioned, low price products they are no branded products. So I think to this date, it is still a very challenging thing for brand to run business on PDD to on platform like Timu. It was those sellers because you know China is like the world factory. Yeah, we have a very strong supply chain in all kinds of products. So it wasn't those brands that sell things online on PDD, but those suppliers, those OEM products. It was nothing to do with brand building or consumer education, so that's the key. And the other thing is, there's a crisis of PDD right in this year. It says PDD is trying to engage with more brands. It was like they are trying to be upgrading a, a bit to provide a relatively good quality products to consumers if that's their、uh, vision. So they invite some brands to、uh, landing on to onboards on PDD. The result is a lot of、uh, sellers was very angry about that, so they just rush to those branded stores, buy a lot of things, and they ask for a repayment. And as for PDD's policy, it's、uh, very tricky because it was like the consumer can, whenever they receive the products, it's not good enough. They can just ask for a repay. And they don't need to send the products back. Interesting. We don't have much of that <laughs> over here. <laughs> so for those brands, they have to close the store within two days. So it's a huge riot in PDD this year because those、uh, sellers are very angry. Of course, they sell a lot amount of products on PDD, but their total profit can be very thin. Gotcha. So they are angry that it was like PDD is going to abandon them. And turn to big brands. That's a big threat because that has already happened in Alibaba before. Ah, yeah. So as for Timu and Xin, I have to say I don't think in a short period those brands will land on them. So it's nothing about brand. Gotcha. I see. It'll be interesting to see because clearly, I mean, Xin came to the U.S. and has done incredibly well and kind of has blown every other apparel sort of. Site or place to shop out of the water. It'll be interesting to see in the long run, like if that is really how the future of fashion for regular people who can't buy designer things goes for the U.S. and maybe even Canada, because I know they're up there as well. It'll be interesting to see. I think it's interesting because when Zara was on the market, everyone was was very angry about that because they were kind of copy from big brands design.、Yeah. And then they use their very flexible supply chain to to do the production and the sales. And then、uh, Shein cutting brands like Zara and、yeah. HM. So it was like there is in the markets.、Uh, of course, always people love to buy relatively low price products. 
as Tim would say, shop like a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, but I think those consumers they are also segmented. Relatively small group of consumers they would like to buy when they are not so wealthy, but all their behavior will keep going up as long as they are getting mature or they are wishing for a better quality of life. So. I don't think it will be a big threat to the whole retail system in the states or in China as well, because in China actually the biggest trends now, of course, one is PDD. They sell relatively low price products. The other one, as I mentioned last time, is Sam's Club. It was like for the middle class or upper middle class consumers. They still they are still seeking for the good quality quality products with reasonable price. Yes. Once you move over here, we'll have to bring you down to Arkansas so you can go visit Sam's Club in its true glory, because that's where they're headquartered. We'll bring you right to the building. Okay. <laughs> and they, I think they have a like a demo store essentially right next to the headquarters. But so it's the biggest Sam's Club in the world. It might be. I can't. I've never walked in a Sam's Club in China, but my guess is that the largest Sam's Club is in Arkansas. Okay. All right. The last question I have for you is. Last time we talked, that bottle of Centauri was on your wish list. What's something on your wish list now? And I remember you are like me, and you have a million things on your wish list. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Got to pick one. I think at this moment, I'd like to buy some handbags, but not from luxury brands anymore. Yeah, because there are some、uh, genuine、uh, brands in China recently, which is growing very well online. They have very limited production, like one thousand bags every month. As in China market is a very small amount of production for those handmade brands. Bags,、uh, we have to wait online and to see whether we can snap one, <laughs> as long as it's online. <laughs> That's kind of there's a brand called Telfar over here, which I think counts as a luxury brand. However, they entered the market and we're like, we're only gonna have like a hundred and fifty. Of this color of the bag, which made them even more luxury because they're exclusive. They're actually pretty affordable. Well, depends on who you ask, but compared to like Louis Vuitton, they're affordable bags. But they only make a couple, so then everyone's like, "I'm gonna buy it and sell it for a thousand dollars on eBay." <laughs> okay, I won't sell it, but I see the trend、uh, in China because we used to have those mass production brands as well as、uh, really luxury brands like Louis Vuitton and. Other ones, but I think the trend recently in China is that、uh, we, for those local emerging brands, they will purchase the height from those top supply chain in Europe, like in Italy or in in France, so they can buy those suit or the、uh, height abroad, and、yeah. then they just use those really good quality raw material to make the bag. Smart Chinese. Retail world, very smart. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we have made it to the end of this episode of the Commerce Collective podcast. And hopefully, you're all caught up with some important topics in our never-ending quest to understand e-commerce across the globe. A big thank you to Amber for her third appearance and endless knowledge of global e-commerce. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and your colleagues, and on LinkedIn or all of the above. And again, a shout out to Enos for her sound design skills, saving this episode from an electric fly killing crisis. We'll see you next time.